open up your Bibles to Luke chapter 6. Luke chapter 6, we're continuing in this series that we started a few weeks ago called, called, exactly. And uh, we've been talking about, uh, with the whole church, we've been talking about this idea that we are all called for a purpose. God has called us to purposes that we are to fulfill in our lives, and we're going through each of those as this series goes on. And so uh, last week we talked about uh, the purpose of worship, that we're called to worship. And worship is, uh, man, it is so much more than like singing um, and like raising our hands. Worship is a lifestyle. But one of the ways that we worship is by coming together, singing, thanking God, remembering what he's done. And uh, tonight we're going to continue with another purpose. And uh, like we've said each week, oh, I think we forgot to put the bookmarks out, but we'll get them to you guys. Um, there are, we have these things called house rules that kind of line up with each of the purposes, each of the things that we're going through in this series. And so last week, you know, we talked about Jesus is our focus. And, and when Jesus is the focus of our life, man, that is how we live out a lifestyle of worship. All right. So um, tonight we're going to get into another one. And I wanted to think of a funny way to start this message, but I didn't. So, um, so the house rule that we're looking at is called look to learn. And uh, basically what we're saying is that we are always uh, asking you guys to arrive here with an attitude that, man, you are ready to learn. You are ready because Jesus is your focus. You want to know more about him. You're growing in your relationship with him. And that's exactly what we're going to be talking about tonight is that we should live our lives ready to learn and grow about Jesus and in our relationship with Jesus. Now, there's a big kind of word that we don't use really at all, except for when we're in the church, that is just, you know, it means growing and, you know, having a relationship and learning more. And that word is discipleship, right? Have you guys ever heard anyone use the word discipleship outside of the church? Outside of the church. You have? Okay. All right. Probably in some sci-fi movie or something. Yeah. Huh? In at Fresno Pacific University, a private Christian school. Okay. I think you understand what I meant. That doesn't count. No. All right. No, discipleship is just this word that we use uh, typically only in the church, but man, it's important. It's an important part of our lives, and I, we want to talk about it tonight. So my question for you guys is, uh, discipleship... It just means like being a disciple. So what is a what is a disciple? Yeah, a follower. All right, someone who is a disciple is a follower. All right, a follower. And here's the thing: you can be a disciple of just about anything. We all follow something. Now, you might say, "Oh man, I'm a disciple of Jesus," but do your actions show that? Do the people around you know that? Or are there other things in your life that maybe you're just afraid to admit that, man, you're a disciple of that more than you are a disciple of Jesus? Maybe you're a disciple of TikTok. Maybe you're a disciple of fork knife. Or Minecraft, apparently. Okay? 
Tomas is saying that he's a disciple of Chick-fil-A, which might be okay because that's the Lord's chicken, you know? What? Ah-ha-ha. Good morning. Went to Chick-fil-A and ordered rice. Okay. You already know what kind of size? Hey, give me a large, man. Okay. Uh, that's enough. That's enough. All right. We're all a follower. Listen up. We're all a follower of something. When I was in junior high, I had this group of friends. And I don't know if this is true for you. You guys, in fact, I think it was a little bit uh, like not quite normal. I mean, you guys probably have a group of friends and you secretly like have an idea of like who's kind of in charge of the group, like who's the leader, everybody. Do you guys, you guys, the, the lot of pointing at themselves right now, like, okay. Uh, Kayla, Ashley, when you guys were in junior high, did you guys have like a group of friends? <laughs> the I Hate Rachel Green Club. Um, <laughs> she does it? Oh, okay, good. All right. Uh, so maybe you guys have experienced this. Abby? Did you have a group of friends in junior high that kind of had like an unspoken hierarchy? Abby Schofield. Okay. Um, <laughs> that was helpful. That was helpful. Okay, so maybe you have this unspoken hierarchy, right, in your group of friends. And there was a clear, in my group of friends, there was a clear leader, like probably more clear than in typical situations. It was not me. I was the second in command. This is how, I'm, I didn't appoint myself. Josh the leader of the group, appointed me. This is how awkward it was. Huh? No, it's not anybody you know. All right? This is how far it went. Like, we sat at the same table in the cafeteria every day for lunch, and he sat in a specific spot, and he, this is when he appointed me second in command, told someone else to move so I could sit next to him. And he was like, because AJ's next. And he goes, and my mom brought us all pizza today, but I get it first, and then AJ gets it. It was so weird. It was weird. And I was like, but I just got a cheeseburger from the lunch line, and I'm pretty excited about the cheese paper. So um, you guys don't even understand that because you have healthy food now. Oh, please. Okay, listen. You guys don't understand the type of food we had when I was in junior high. Yeah. Okay, but there was this weird like hierarchy. Do you guys know what hierarchy means? It just means like that there's like an order of who's in charge. All right, I was second in command, but we all followed the leader. Whatever Josh wanted to do, that's what we did. Wherever he wanted to go, that's where we went. If he wanted to go to the snack bar and get a Mountain Dew, a bag of Funyuns, and a pizza pocket for a snack, we all did. Huh? I'm trying to tell you, we had. Our food was not as nutritious as the food you guys have. But here's the point, guys. Here's what we want to talk about tonight, because we all follow something. But if you follow the wrong thing or the wrong leader, you're going to end up going somewhere that you didn't want to go. Right? Now, my example from junior high, man, that's that's one example. And like, that's just having friends, and it's, you know, this kid, Josh, 
he wasn't a Christian, but it's not like I ended up like, you know, we didn't go like buy drugs and murder people. So it wasn't like, um, it wasn't like I ended up in a really bad place. But the point is that if you're following some someone and they're not the best leader, man, you're going to end up going somewhere that you didn't want to go, right? Here's how Jesus said it in Luke chapter six, uh, verses thirty-nine and forty. It said he also told them a parable. All right, here's the parable Jesus told them. Can the blind guide the blind? Won't they fall into a pit? Boys, listen. You don't listen with your mouths. You listen with your ears. If you guys want to have your mouths open, use them to go call your parents to have them pick you up. Can the blind guide the blind? Won't they just fall into a pit? A disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone who is fully trained will be like his teacher. See, there's a couple things that I pull out of this passage. There's like almost two points, all right? The first one is that the blind can't lead the blind, right? Like, they're just two blind people. They don't know where they're going. Um, and so I, it immediately made me think of, like, seeing eye dogs, you know? Tomas, you know seeing, seeing eye dogs? There, I, think seeing eye, I think that's fascinating. I often think about, like, that's a lot of training. How does the dog know where it's supposed to go? Like, how does the dog not chase a squirrel? So sometimes I imagine a blind person being drugged by a dog, you know, that's chasing a squirrel. Then I wonder, the dog poops, who cleans up the poop? Blind person. They don't know where it is. Huh? Yeah. It does eventually, though. All right. But you know what would make a really bad seeing eye dog? A blind dog. Yeah. Yeah. Or a cat. Cat would make a terrible seeing eye dog. You know what would be even worse? A blind cat. Yeah. The, per- the person just needs to go to work or they're hungry and the cat's just, they're like, why are we still sitting on the couch? I want to go to McDonald's. You know, and the cat's just like, stupid cat. I hate cats. You'd never get to the right place. You'd never get where you were going. You need a good leader who knows exactly where to go, what to do, and how to get there, right? No. Totally different friend. That guy's name is Arion. Just so you know. <laughs> All right? We need a good leader who knows where we need to go, what we need to do, how we need to get there. And the best leader is who? Jesus, exactly. The best leader is Jesus, and we're called to be like Jesus. We're called to be like Jesus. See, true discipleship, you can write this in, means becoming like Jesus. True discipleship means becoming like Jesus. So we talked about discipleship, man, that just means being a follower. But more than that, you're not just following, but you're intentionally becoming like Jesus. Right? Here's the important thing that I want you guys to remember is that it's not a passive thing to become like Jesus, right? You have to you have to take responsibility for it and you have to work at it. You have to be intentional. And so fill this in, you have to own your growth. You have to own your growth. Right? 
There's no way that I could tell someone, Tomas, I'm, I'm going to follow you to Chick-fil-A, right? But I'm going to stay here. I'm just going to sit here, but I want to follow you to Chick-fil-A. Am I ever going to get to Chick-fil-A? No. And you can't say to Jesus, Jesus, I want to follow you, but I'm not going to do anything about it. I'm just going to sit here. I'm not going to put any effort into it. I'm not going to be intentional about it at all. And Jesus, I'm just going to like assume that you're going to pick me up and carry me with you or something. It doesn't work like that. We have to own our growth. In order to be a disciple of Jesus, we have to choose daily to be a disciple of Jesus. Doesn't that make sense? It's pretty obvious. You can't follow someone without choosing to follow them. I can't follow Tomas without putting my right foot in front of my left and then my left foot in front of my right. It's obvious. I have to make the decision. I have to own my following. Right? Really quickly, I don't want to read the whole thing, but there's this passage in Hebrews chapter 5, and it talks about, it says, you know, we've got a great deal to say about this, and it's difficult to explain. See, the writer of Hebrews is talking to lukewarm Christians that have, they're not intentional about their, their relationship with Jesus. It says, you have become too lazy to understand. Too lazy. What the writer of Hebrews here is saying is, man, you're not listening. You're not going to understand what we're trying to teach you because you're too lazy. You're not putting any effort into it. And then it goes on to say, on the next slide, it goes a little bit further in that passage. It basically says on the next slide, yeah, you don't need... You need milk, not solid food. He needs some milk. Right? Everyone who lives on milk is inexperienced with the message about righteousness because he's an infant. But solid food is for the mature, for those whose senses have been trained to distinguish between good and evil. You know what the writer of Hebrews is saying here? Is if you don't put any effort into your relationship with Jesus, you're a baby. And you're ineffective. It's, I mean, I get why it's funny, but it's not that funny. There's too many Christians that say they have a relationship with Jesus, but they're not growing up. They're not getting any of that nutrition that they need to grow. Because they're not intentional about their relationship with Jesus. They're not a true disciple. They're lazy babies. Right? So because it has to be intentional, because we have to own our growth, that's going to require some sacrifices. Right? It's going to require some sacrifices. If you choose to do one thing, if I choose to go right, then that also means I'm choosing not to go left. You understand? If I choose to eat a salad, it means I'm choosing to have a bad day and not enjoy my lunch. Right? In order to be intentional, there has to be some things that we sacrifice. See, fill this in. Discipleship will cost you. There are things in life that being a disciple of Jesus will cost you. There are going to be some things that you have to give up in order to follow Jesus. See, this is exactly how Jesus says it in Luke chapter 9. He says to the crowd, If any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross daily, and follow me. Give up your own way. See, if you're going to follow someone, 
You're giving up the opportunity to decide where you go. If I'm following Jesus, I'm just going where he's going. I don't get to choose right or left anymore. He does. And I'm just right there behind him. Right? We have to give some things up. I mean, there's things in life that we have to sacrifice in order to be a disciple of Jesus. In fact, this isn't a film, but maybe you guys want to write this in. Sometimes we have to give up even good things in order to get great things. There's a sacrifice to being a disciple of Jesus, but sometimes we have to give up good things in order to get great things. And we definitely have to give up bad things in order to get the things of God. Right? See, growth, our relationship with Jesus growing, also requires obedience. You can write that in. Growth requires obedience. I have to choose to continue to follow that person or choose to continue to follow the way that Jesus wants me to live. I need to be obedient to him. If I say, Jesus, I want to follow you, but then I start going my own way, am I being obedient? No. Right? If you say, Mom, I'm going to follow you, whatever you say, man, I want to just grow in my relationship with you, and she says, great, clean your room, and you don't clean your room, are you being obedient? No. So you guys understand you're not going to grow in your relationship with Jesus if you're not obedient to the things that he calls you to. If you're not obedient to sacrificing some of the things that you want, friendships, things, free time. We're not saying that being a believer and having a relationship with Jesus is like, you have to be a monk. And I'm glad I don't have to be a monk. I look terrible in robes, okay? It's true. You know, those monk robes, they use a rope for the belt. It just never sits in the right spot on me. You know, it's bad news. The ropes aren't, Tomas said the ropes aren't long enough. I have to, like, get a rope extender like some people do on an airplane, you know? Can you imagine? Never mind. Moving on. I can't imagine having to, like, raise your hand, get the flight attendant, and be like, I need I need the additional. Yeah, some, some airlines make you buy two seats. Kevin Smith, he's a, he makes movies. It, he has a potty mouth, though. Thank you. You haven't listened once yet tonight, so it doesn't matter. Discipline. He's just used to talking about discipline. Um, growth requires obedience. We have to stick with even the little things. There's a an example of this that I went, I experienced in my own life. See, I used to um, I used to do a lot of road biking, cycling, all right? I know, you can tell just by looking at me, right, Tomas? But I used to put on the stretchy pants and the stretchy shirt and have the little bike, right? Huh? Just zipping along the road, that's right. Yeah. No, I used to do it a lot, and uh, I loved it. I just don't have time for it anymore because I have kids and... Um, Kids ruin their parents' lives, so you should apologize to your parents when they pick you up tonight. So, um, huh? 
Yeah. Um, when your parents pick you up tonight, be like, hey, mom, dad, sorry. Uh, sorry that you no longer have any free time. Um, no, but I used to cycle a lot. And, uh, and my dad and I uh, would ride a lot together and we would train together. And, um, and there was this ride, this organized ride that we decided to, to do. And uh, it was going to be a really intense, really difficult ride. It was called the Grizzly Metric Century. Yeah, Grizzly Metric. Shh. Grizzly Metric. All right. Uh, hey, stop talking. Thanks. Um, so a metric century is, a century is 100 miles. A metric century is 100 meters, which is about 65 miles. Now, the specific one that we were doing was 65 miles, but the first half of it was uphill. And then after about 32 miles, there was a cone in the road, and you just turn around at the cone and come down, all right? It was going to be difficult. I knew it was going to be difficult. I hate climbing. Climbing is like the type of cycling you do when you're riding uphill. I don't like doing it. No one likes it except for little tiny guys, and they get paid a lot of money to do it, all right? I hate climbing. But there's certain ways that you train in order to be ready for a ride like that. You do things like interval training and hill work. And I didn't do either of them because I also hate those things. All right? If you don't know what intervals are, it's where you go out on a ride and you ride for like 10 minutes as fast as you can. You're sprinting. just, And then after 10 minutes, you get to take a minute off and just coast. And then once that minute's done, you do another 10-minute sprint, and you do that for like two hours. It's horrible. I hate it, so I didn't do it. Hill work is another type of training that I should have done, and that's like intervals, but instead of sprinting, you just go to somewhere where there's a small hill. You ride up the hill, you ride down the hill. You ride up the hill, you ride down. You do that for a couple hours, just over and over and over again, and I hate it. Hate it. Okay, I didn't do the training that I needed to do. I also chose the night before to go to a friend's birthday party and eat tacos all night long. Lots of tacos. I didn't eat right. I didn't train. I wasn't obedient to my training. So you know what happened the day of the ride? It didn't throw up. Throwing up would have been a lot easier. Multiple times, I had the worst ride of my life because after, listen up, two miles, my legs cramped up. And I'm not talking about a cramp like you guys get and you whine to your PE coach that you can't run the mile. I'm talking about a man's cramp where my legs stopped working. You understand? Listen to me. Severe cramps in my legs. To the point that I couldn't pedal at times. Now, if you know anything about road cycling, you know that I would have been clipped into my pedals. You wear fancy shoes that clip into your pedals. In order to unclip from your pedals, you have to twist your heel a little bit and then your foot can pop out. Not easy to do when your legs are cramped up. Also, when you're riding uphill and you lose the ability to pedal, you lose momentum. And so there were multiple times that I'd be trying to ride and I'd be like, I started crying. I'm like screaming, oh God, I'm dying. 
And he's like, uh, no. And he would just keep riding. And I'm like, how are you guys going down? And then I'd like, ah, my legs would seize up. And then I'd lose momentum. And I wouldn't even be able to clip my feet out of my pedals. So I would sit, I'd be sitting in a road. And I would slowly just fall over onto the ground. And they're so bad, I can't even, like, get off. I, I'm laying on the ground, just stuck to my bike. Other riders are passing me. I'm screaming. Aah! This one guy, I remember, I'm screaming. And he's like, dude, are you all right? And I was like, no! And he's like, sorry. And he just kept going. I almost quit multiple times. In cycling, it's called bonking when you quit. It's called bonking out. I don't know. They have a lot of weird terms, right? Here's the other thing. When you get to the cone at the halfway point, you just turn around and come downhill. Uh, downhill on a bicycle, it's not harder. It's easier, but it's a lot scarier. Okay? So here's the thing. Uh, I brought a couple, like... I have like a thing where I, I can track my rides, okay? So let's check out this first one. I want to just show you guys quickly some of the stats for my ride. Okay, so uh, it was almost 62 miles. You can see that there in the distance. The elevation gain was over 6,000 feet. Um, I was riding my bike for five hours and 40 minutes. That sucks. And I burnt over 4,000 calories, so that was cool. Um, my average speed was 10.9 miles per hour. Go to the next slide. This is the elevation. So as you can see, it's pretty much you ride up and then you ride down. And then the next one was uh, kind of my speed, my, my speedometer. So my average speed was 10 miles an hour. And remember, I told you guys there were a few times where I was riding uphill where I actually got so slow that I lost momentum and fell over. And then you can see the max speed. There were times that on my way downhill, I was going over 40 miles an hour. And what you don't understand is how much you need your legs to keep you on your bicycle. When you're flying downhill at 41 miles an hour in turns in the mountains, like if you don't make the turn, you just off the side of the mountain, okay? I don't have my legs to hold me to the bike, so I'm just like trying to use my hands as best as I can. I'm freaking out. I'm having an anxiety attack, asthma, anxiety-induced asthma. My dad, I think he just, he just left me. I had the worst ride of my life. I, why? Because I wasn't obedient to the training that I knew I needed to do. I didn't do the things that I needed to do in order to be successful. See, on that ride, my dad and I were riding together, and I couldn't even follow him. I couldn't keep up with him because I didn't do the little things leading up to it. And the same is our relationship with Jesus. If we don't put in the work, we're not going to be prepared to follow him. When we're not having our quiet time, when we're not learning about him, when we're not coming to small group and praying, and we're not growing, we're not going to be able to follow him well. And we're not going to be successful. It's called spiritual training, right? Disciples are disciplined. And I don't mean disciplined like when you get in trouble. I mean disciplined like you stick 
to even the tough little things. Guys, I would have been so much more comfortable if I had just done the right training. You play a sport, you go to practice, and coach wants you to run. Nobody likes just running. But you do it because you know it's going to make you better and ready for the big thing. If you're in choir or drama or whatever it is, you practice, you rehearse so that you can get better, so that you're ready for showtime. When we train well, then we're prepared to follow our leader. Does that make sense? When we train well, we're prepared to follow our leader. So we have to train in the things that keep us following Jesus. And the last thing, guys, fill this in, is that discipleship produces rest. Discipleship produces rest. Like when I was on my ride, man, I would have been so much more comfortable had I just done the work leading up to that ride. If I had done my training the day of the ride, I would have felt a lot better. I would have been successful, right? Had I been obedient. Had I done the little things, it wouldn't have been so difficult for me. See, I could have felt more comfortable because I would have had a stronger foundation. Just like in Luke, Jesus is talking and he teaches about the guys that build their house on sand or versus the guy that builds his house on the rock, right? When we're obedient, he says in that passage, uh, I think it's on the next slide. He says, uh, anyone who hears and obeys me is like someone who builds their house on the rock. When we're obedient, when we stick to the things that Jesus calls us to, then we build our foundation on him and it's not on ourselves. Does that make sense? We're able to put our trust and our hope in him. And so as we're following him, man, I was not comfortable on that ride because I didn't have a good foundation. I was just out there winging it and hoping that I was going to be successful. But had I built a strong foundation, I would have been a lot more comfortable. And when we're obedient to Jesus and what he calls us to, we're building our foundation in him and in his strength. And so when the wind and the waves of life come and things in the world try to separate us from Jesus and they try to make it difficult for us to be a follower of Jesus because, guys, that's the thing that's going to try and keep you from following Jesus is the world and Satan. And he's trying to keep you from being a Christ follower. But when your, son, when your foundation is built in him by being obedient, you can stick close to him even when tough times come. So that's why we look to learn, guys. We look to learn so that we can grow and follow and become like Jesus. We're called to learn and follow Jesus. We're called to be disciples. Heavenly Father, we thank you for tonight. God, we love you so much. And God, would you just be in our groups tonight, be in our discussion. Um, I, God, I, I, I pray that, uh, that this is just spurred on new conversation and questions and all kinds of stuff for us tonight that we can go and as a group spend 30 minutes just devouring your word, getting to know you better. Uh, God, would we have an insatiable desire to know you more? God, we love you so much. 
In Jesus' name we pray.